If you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Early in the 1940s, during World War II, the United States put together what was known as a ghost army. The ghost army was a tactical deception unit that was designed to impersonate the Allied army and deceive the enemy. It consisted not of traditional soldiers, but of artists and actors and set designers and creative thinkers and engineers. And these soldiers would deploy inflatable dummy tanks and fake aircraft and even loudspeakers to simulate the sounds of a large army. Once they were deployed to a specific area, the ghost army could set up in just a couple of hours. And they could complete the fake airfields and tank formations on artillery brigades and even trucks with, with all these sound effects and fake radio transmissions to deceive the enemy. This 1,100-man unit staged more than 20 battlefield deceptions, oftentimes very close to the front lines. They're credited with aiding the success of major battles at strategic places like Normandy and Luxembourg. In addition, several of these soldier actors would not only be a part of these big deceptions, but they would go into bars and cafes and they would talk loosely and spread gossip and misinformation that would trickle back to deceive the enemy. They successfully attracted the attention of Hitler's forces, at times diverting their focus from the real battle and also causing them to believe that the Allied army was much bigger and more powerful than it actually was. It was a brilliant <laughs> strategy and it saved thousands of lives and it aided in the ultimate <coughs> victory. Similar strategies of deception have been successfully used by the greatest war commanders throughout history. From Alexander the Great to Genghis Khan and even Stonewall Jackson, deception has been a staple of great war strategy. Who could forget the story of the Trojan horse and how that led to victory through that deception? The same thing is true in our lives in the battles we face with our giants. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the giant we're facing, every one of our battles is a spiritual one. And our enemy, the devil, loves to divert attention from the actual giant that we should be trying to defeat and put our attention on something that really doesn't matter. Our enemy knows that with God's help, we can and we will defeat the giants in our lives that stand between us and our God-given destiny. So he'll do everything he can to keep us from facing the real giants in our lives. David encountered this in his life even as he pre prepared to fight the giant Goliath. He would first have to deal with other little battles and the distraction of, of all kinds of different people and the giant of criticism. I call it the giant of criticism, but really it's a ghost giant of criticism like the ghost army. It wasn't really his giant. It was just nonsense on the way to his actual giant. Instead of encouragement and support from friends and family and others around him, David often faced that doubt and negativity and discouragement from people that were unwilling to face the giants in their own lives. Everybody has to deal with critics and criticism, even more so in the social media age that we live in. Doesn't it seem like those things are magnified in our world today? In our world, it seems like criticism is at an all-time high. Without very much thought or consideration, critics can post angry and unfiltered thoughts online for everyone to see. No doubt if you've been online this week, you've probably seen people be critical of everything and everyone from the President of the United States to
to Kanye West, to the assistant coach of your football team, or the person working the drive-thru at the McDonald's on their side of town. People and businesses that work in customer service can tell you that negative reviews online outnumber positive ones 10 to 1. Dissatisfied customers often tell between 9 and 15 people about their experience. Oftentimes even more than 20 people if it was a really bad experience. While a satisfied customer will rarely share about a good experience with anyone at all. Sometimes those criticisms are based on a bad service or a bad experience, and maybe they're, they're deserved. Sometimes in our lives, we're going to get constructive criticism from people, and those are things that really may be able to help us or, or uh, be helpful in our lives in some way, even if it hurts. But for, for every one of those legitimate criticisms that we, that we get, the helpful ones, we're going to likely get significantly more undeserved and mean-spirited criticism in our lives. That kind of critic and criticism can discourage and it can hurt. When you face it, I want to encourage you that you're not the only one. I also get that kind of criticism. The person sitting next to you gets negative, mean-spirited criticism. And David, one of the greatest heroes in the Bible, faced the same thing. During the last two weeks, we've been learning giant fighting principles from a famous Bible story, David and Goliath. But before David could become king and face his destiny, he had a giant to face in Goliath. My question to you has been, what's the one thing that's holding you back from your potential? What is your Goliath? What's the giant that's standing between you and your destiny? The one thing that maybe you've struggled with and you can't seem to overcome. What is your giant? Everyone has different giants. What's a giant for you may not be a giant for me, but it's for you it's a significant obstacle that's keeping you from something God has for you. So many of you have shared with me and asked for prayer in dealing with your giant. I've come to learn over the last several weeks that in our church, people are struggling with giants of addiction and debt and fear and family stress. Your giant may be a relationship issue. It could be a physical one or, or financial or emotional, or maybe it's work-related. Most of us are facing giants in our lives right now. And if we're not currently facing a giant, we will or we have. That's part of living on earth. And sadly, critics will be part of that fight as well. <coughs> a critic is oftentimes one person who will point out how imperfectly other people do what the critic themselves is not willing to do at all. David faced many critics in his life. We don't have time to look at every critic and every instance of criticism in his life, but there's three notable ones just in this passage alone that we've been looking at from 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll look at those today, but first let me catch you up on where we are in the story in case you missed the last couple of weeks. The army of Israel is encamped on one side of the valley of Elah. The other side of the valley is the Philistine army, and every day for 40 days, the undefeated giant champion named Goliath would come out and challenge anyone from the army of Israel to a representative battle. He wasn't suggesting that the army should line up and fight in the battle until the last one standing would win. He just wanted the army of Israel to send out one person as a representative to fight him, an undefeated giant champion, and the winner of that battle would be the winner of the war. We're going to continue looking where we left off a little bit from 1 Samuel 17, verse 20 last week. It says this, Early in the morning, David left the flock, that he was in care of, in the care of a shepherd, he loaded up and set out as Jesse, his father, had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Now, this is interesting, because this is day 41 of this happening. 
and the army is lining up in their battle positions and they're shouting out war cries. But every day for 40 days when, when Goliath comes out, they run away in fear. But yet the next day they go out and they line up in their battle positions and they shout their war cries, but they were unwilling to fight the giant that was in front of them. We'll continue in verse 21. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. It's exactly what his father told him to do. Verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man that kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his entire family from taxes in Israel. Still nobody was willing to defeat this giant. Not for all the riches, not for the daughter, not for any of it. David asked the man standing near, near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine or removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? It may come as a surprise to you, but not everyone will be pleased that you're taking on your giant. Even people close to you may question your motives. They don't want to see you get a victory and become a champion. Why? Why would people not be supportive of you trying to tackle this big issue in your life? There's many reasons that people will criticize someone else, but here's four of what I believe are, are the top reasons. Certainly there's others. But one of the reasons that they criticize is because they need to fight the same giant in their lives. These people are up against the same kind of giant that you're up against, but they don't want to face it. And they're unwilling to go to battle, and as a result, they don't want you to go to battle either. Your willingness to fight the giant in your life exposes their weakness and unwillingness to fight it in their own life. If you defeat the giant, it takes away their excuse. They don't want you to quit drinking too much. They don't want you to get out of debt. They don't want you to lose weight. They don't want you to go back to school or forgive that person or conquer fear because then they don't have someone to share it with. They may even try to talk you out of it or convince you that it's not that big of a deal. Second reason is that they're insecure. If you defeat your giant, they may, you may not need them any longer. They need you to need them. That's called codependency. And if they can keep you weak and wounded, then they feel stronger because you need them. In some family systems, if you defeat your giant, then your own family members don't even know how to relate to you anymore. That's unhealthy and it's wrong, but it's real. It happens. The third reason that people will often criticize is because they're jealous because they don't know where they are going and they are negative and critical about where you are going. They don't want you to get attention. They don't want to see you become a champion. Sometimes they're jealous because they don't want you to experience the freedom and joy that they're not experiencing. To see you free makes them jealous because they aren't free. And the fourth reason, I think this is all too common, is that they just don't have anything better to do. They aren't fighting giants in their lives, so they fight against you. They need to discover purpose in their lives. It's really rare that a loud, negative critic is a difference maker for anything good in their own life. They spend all their energy criticizing instead of fighting battles and defeating giants in their own lives or even helping other people to defeat battles. They just are critical. They're negative. A critic might even think that their criticism is a gift. But let me just tell you, if you're a critic and you think you're helping others, and I know that's not anybody that's sitting in here today, but maybe possibly there's someone online that's negative and critical of other people, right? 
Let me just tell you, if you happen to be one of those people online watching and you're a negative, critical person, stop it. You're working against giants being killed. You're not a blessing and this is not a help. Well, pastor, doesn't constructive criticism have its place and isn't that needed? It does. And I believe that iron sharpens iron and we need people around us who will speak the truth in love. And that's the key is to do it in love. But people that are negative and prone to being critics aren't able to provide constructive criticism because their heart isn't to help and their attitude isn't to love. <coughs> what we see from David's family and King Saul, we'll look at in just a minute, toward David isn't constructive and it's not out of love. It's doubt. It's discouragement. And if you were to ask the people that the, that the constructive criticism is often targeted toward, they'll tell you there's nothing constructive about it. It's not helpful and it's not encouraging. How many of you are just drawn to, to critical negative people? Don't all of you answer at once. <laughs> How many of you say, this person is just the most negative person that I've ever met. They criticize everything that I've ever done. Let's go to lunch with them. Let's invite them over for Christmas. That'll be great. Me neither. I don't do that. And you don't want to be around that and you don't want to be that. So instead, make it your goal to be a relentless encourager. How many have ever been around a person that they're just a relentless encourager. Yeah. They just can't help but to encourage people and say nice, positive, exciting things. Now, this won't be easy for everyone to become a relentless encourager. If you've spent your entire life being negative and handing out criticism, then this will be a challenge for you. But start this way. Find something positive to point out first before you say anything even remotely negative. Try it. Find something positive to say about your spouse. Find something positive to say about your church, your kids, your boss, and change the mindset from being a negative, discouraging one to an encouraging one. And here's a, a novel idea. When the negative thoughts come in your head, just don't speak them. Amen. Let them go away. It's amazing. And if you get good at this, you might find out that people won't even avoid you anymore. It's exciting. <laughs> wow. So there's different places that criticism can come from. And the first of those that we see in David's life is that criticism can come from people that know us well. Sometimes the people that know us the best can be the most negative and critical people in our lives. We see it in 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness. Don't you love that? And I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is, and you just came down here to watch the battle. Criticism can come from a variety of sources, but don't be surprised if one of the primary sources of criticism in your life comes from those that know you the best. David had to have been stung by the criticism of his brother, and really from much of his family. To give you a little background into this, You'll remember the story, many of you, from Sunday school about Samuel going to Jesse's house, to David's house, and telling him that God had sent him to anoint the next king of Israel that would follow Saul. And this had happened just a few chapters before. And Samuel shows up, and he sees all the sons, and he sees Eliab, the older son, the handsome, strong, big son. And he says, surely this is the one that God wants me to anoint as king. And probably Eliab thought, I'm the oldest. I'm the biggest. I'll whoop David and every one of my brothers. I'm going to be the king, but that's not what happened. Instead, God told Samuel, that's not the person that I've chosen. Man looks on the outside, but I look on the heart. And he caused Samuel 
to anoint David as king. Imagine how that must have felt to Eliab to not have been selected to be the next king. And instead, your youngest, most annoying brother that smells like sheep is selected instead. I don't know if that's the start of the problems between David and Eliab. Probably there was normal brother things before that, but that probably didn't help the situation at all. But here we see Eliab criticized David's motives. He belittles the responsibility that David had. Notice he said, with whom did you leave those few sheep that you had in the wilderness? The criticism came from someone that knew David well, and he was willing to hit him where it hurt and diminish his significance and his responsibility. And apparently this wasn't the first time that Eliab had criticized his little brother, because look what David says in verse 29. Now what have I done? Can't I even speak? This has been going on. This is not the first time that David experienced criticism from Eliab. We look at how Jesse treated David. He was just the messenger boy, just the pizza delivery boy. David was experienced with receiving criticism from the people closest to him. But David didn't let these repeated criticisms distract him. He realized that if he spent his energy fighting his family, he wouldn't have energy for the real enemy that he was about to confront, the, the giant Goliath. Presidents probably know a little bit about criticism. Ask President Trump today if he, if he knows a thing or two about it. In fact, I would think presidents and quarterbacks and maybe football coaches probably get more than their fair share of criticism in life. Ronald Reagan said this. He said, I pay little attention to critics because I found that there's two kinds of people in the world, those who can and those who criticize. And it's true. Abraham Lincoln, he also had an interesting take on criticism. I love this story that I, I read about him this week. He faced a lot of criticism of his motives all throughout the Civil War. When an Army officer asked President Lincoln one time if, if the president would write an article to try to defend the administration against the attacks that were being made against them, this is what President Lincoln had to say, and I love this. He said, sir, if I were to try to read, much less answer, all of the criticism and attacks made on me, then this shop might as well be closed for any other business. He said, I do the very best that I know how, the very best that I can, and I plan on keeping on doing so until the very end. If the end brings me out right, then the things said against me won't amount to anything at all anyways. But if the end brings me out wrong, then 10 angels swearing that I was right won't make one bit of difference either. It's amazing. These presidents and, and David, the future king of Israel, they teach us the same lesson. We don't have anything to fear from critics who wrongly judge our motives. And Jesus responded the same way when he was criticized and falsely accused and judged. He didn't respond. He just remained silent. Don't let criticism distract you from your determination to defeat your giant. When critics try to distract you and pull you off task by questioning your motives, it's a pointless endeavor to stress and agonize and allow this to derail you from the real giant that you still have to face. Don't spend your energy there. We spend way too much time and energy focused on our critics instead of on the giant in front of us. If someone has a legitimate concern and they want to address it with you, then listen to what they have to say. Weigh it and use discernment with it. If they've said anything valid, learn and grow, but be willing also to recognize that you may have to spit out some bones and don't let it distract you from the determination to defeat your giant. The giant of criticism is just an inflatable illusion of a giant. It's a ghost giant that will distract you from the real one if you allow it to. Pray for your critics and move on. Second area of criticism that David faced and that we often will face, not only from people that know us the best, 
But criticism can come from people that don't know us at all. We look in verse 31. It says, What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And David had killed lions, he'd killed bears, he'd gone after some big animals, big game in his life. He wasn't scared of, of any of those things at all. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Well, how did that get in there? I have no idea how that slide, that picture of my elk that I killed this last Thursday, got into the sermon notes. I mean, all this talk of killing big animals. <laughs> Saul criticized David's means. Don't be surprised when you decide to take on your giant that negative voices will come from all kinds of places. Not only from those who know you well, but also from those who don't know you at all. If it wasn't bad enough that David's family didn't believe in him and they criticized him repeatedly, we just saw Eliab criticizing David's motives. Now the king of Israel criticized David's means. He says, you can't go fight Goliath. You're just a kid. And Goliath has been a warrior since his youth. Saul didn't know David, but he determined that he was unable to defeat this giant. And remember that King Saul, the Bible tells us that he was a tall man. He was strong. He was head and shoulders above other men in Israel. And the king had a duty and a responsibility to be an integral part of fighting wars. But in spite of this fact, Saul was back in the tent. He wasn't on the front lines. He was one of the all that ran in fear from Goliath. But yet he had no problem criticizing David for his faith and willingness to take on the giant that really Saul should have been dealing with. Don't let criticism demote you to the defense. Defense in sports is important. I'm not trying to minimize the importance of defense. But even in sports, if you're supposed to be on the offense, and instead of playing offense, you're constantly on defense, you're probably losing. And for a giant killer, defense is a demotion. The way David responds to the criticism from King Saul is so amazing. He didn't get defensive. He doesn't flex his muscles and show how big and bad he is. Look at his response in verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David didn't say, look what I've done, and ask Saul, how many lions have you killed? Instead of bragging about himself, he bragged about what God had done in the past. He basically said, King Saul, you've told me that I'm not good enough to fight the giant and to win, and I agree. I'm not good enough, but the God in me is more than enough. Amen. The ability to defeat giants comes from God. You see, this is exactly why Saul wasn't willing to fight Goliath himself. He had allowed the negative self-talk to convince him that he didn't have what it took. He had forgotten that it wasn't his own physical ability, but it was God's power 
that would win the battle and defeat the giant. God had been preparing David for this moment his entire life. David never claimed that he had what it took to defeat Goliath. He simply stood on the past faithfulness of God, and he was willing to stake his future on his unwavering faith in God. Leave the critics and the doubters behind. You don't have to spend time trying to prove yourself to the critics. You don't have to prove yourself to people that know you or the people that don't know you and the people that doubt what you're called to do. Don't waste time fighting them. It's a waste of time to argue with them on the internet and social media. Getting defensive and trying to brag about your own ability is a natural response. But remember that this giant is bigger than you, but it's not bigger than your God. Remember what he's done in the past. Remember his promise to you and go fight your giant. Don't waste your breath trying to prove yourself. Don't allow yourself to get demoted to the defense. When the voices begin to tell you that you're not good enough, just remember and remind them that your God is more than enough. The small battles that you faced in the past were practice for big victories in the future. You're not unprepared. God knows exactly what you would need and what you would be up against, and he's been preparing you for this moment. Do what David did and begin the battle by reminding yourself and reminding your critics what God has done in the past. Remember when God saved you. Remember when he healed you. Remember when he gave you peace. Remember when he set you free. Stop looking at your giant and look at your God. He's the same God and he can do it again. Remember that all giants, regardless of how they look to you, are the same size to God. And they're not nine foot nine inches to God. We talked about a couple weeks ago going up in an airplane. When you look down, you don't look down and say, man, look how big Shaquille O'Neal is. He's tiny. And from God's view, every giant that you face is tiny. It may be huge to you, but giants are a matter of perspective. And to God, they're nothing at all. So finally today, criticism can come from those who know us well, those who know us the best. Criticism can come from those who don't know us at all. And criticism can come from the enemy himself. Mm -hmm. It says in verse 41, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Goliath criticized David's methods. David had come out to face Goliath on the terms that Goliath had established for the representative battle. But David didn't come in a traditional soldier manner. He didn't come clad in armor, although Saul had tried to give him his, and we'll look at that more next week. David didn't come out with a big sword and a 15-pound spearhead like Goliath. He didn't come out with another dude carrying his shield in front of him. David just came out with his sling. He picked up five stones along the way. Goliath was a bully that deals in intimidation. He looked David up and down. He despised David's methods and he despised his God. He not only criticized him, but he cursed him by the names of his gods. He's telling him, I see you coming at me with sticks and rocks in the name of your God. And none of that matters. Your methods are meaningless. And he tells him he's going to feed his flesh to the birds. But David didn't pay attention to the words and the criticism of Goliath. I love what it says he did instead in 1 Samuel 17, 45. David says to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This is little bitty David talking to nine foot, nine inch tall Goliath. He's not holding back. He says, this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine armies to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not because of a sword or a spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. I love that. David didn't back down from the criticism of his enemy. He's basically saying, you know what? I'm not the one that's confused about what I'm up against. You have no idea what you're up against. You don't like my methods and my weapons. You think I have no idea the giant that I'm facing, but you're really the one that's in for a rude awakening because you've obviously spent so much time looking at me that you haven't seen the size of my God. You're mocking me and laughing at me, Goliath, because I came to fight a giant with a sling and some stones, but I'm not scared about it, and I'm about to be the one laughing because you came to fight my God with a sword and a spear. Incredible the faith that David shows in the face of his giant. And I love verse 48. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love that. David ran toward Goliath. He didn't hesitate. He ran toward his destiny. He ran to defeat his giant. Don't let criticism delay you from your destiny. Some of you, over the last few weeks, you made a decision to take on your giant, but you've been crawling toward it at a snail's pace. You're listening to the voice of the critics, the voice of past defeat, the voice of the enemy. And these voices are living rent-free in your head because you're focused on all of that. If you're serious about taking down Goliath, then you need to issue an eviction notice to the critics that have made themselves at home and begin to listen to the only voice that matters and begin to run toward your giant because it's not your strength or your ability or the size of your giant that matters. The giant in front of you is never bigger than the God who lives inside of you. Don't let criticism delay you from your destiny. Many of you here today, you're facing criticism from jealous, insecure people that are, that are unwilling to face their own giants. So instead, they have nothing better to do than try to keep you from facing yours. Some of the criticisms coming from the people that are closest to you that you know well, maybe it's from a spouse or a parent, someone that has seen you give in and lose so many times, but instead of encouraging you to get back up and fight your giant and win, they've become a critic. Some of the criticisms coming from people that don't even know you at all. Could be someone at work, it could be a neighbor. Some of the criticism in your life is just the voice of the enemy that's trying to keep you from fighting and defeating the giant in your life. Maybe you're even dealing with the criticism that comes from within yourself, the negative self-talk. And you're saying, I want to face the giant, but I'm facing these voices of criticism, and if I could just get past the critics, then maybe I'd have a chance at my giant. They may be criticizing your motives, your means, or your methods. They're trying to distract you or delay you or put you on the defensive and make you fight a ghost army instead of a giant that's standing between you and your destiny. Don't get distracted. Don't get defensive. Don't delay any longer. It's time to run toward your giant. The God inside of you is bigger than the giant in front of you. Stop looking and listening to the giant. Look at God. Listen to God. And run and fight 
your giant. Over the last couple weeks, I've asked you to write down the name of your giant because I wanted you to know when that giant fell that it wasn't just a coincidence. It's a specific answer to a specific prayer. Isn't it amazing how we'll convince ourselves the negative voices in our head when the giant falls will say, oh, that is that was going to happen anyway. That's not God. That giant that's been in control of my life for five years, it's just all of a sudden gone. God didn't do that. I, I, we'll, we'll convince ourselves of the craziest things. That's why I want you to write it down because when God answers that prayer, it's God that answered the prayer. Today, I'm not going to ask you to write down the name of your critic because I don't want to validate them that much. I honestly think that in, in writing their, them down or putting too much focus on them that you begin to focus on the wrong giant. And that's not, that's not the enemy that God wants you to defeat. you got to get past the criticism, but there's a bigger giant in front of you that God wants you to defeat. You know who the critic is. God knows. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Matt, I've got a critic that I'm dealing with, voices of criticism, would you pray for me? Because I know that I need to get past it and beyond it. Well, pray with me because this isn't easy and I need God's help. While I don't want to put too much focus and attention on the critics and the criticism, I know it's painful and I know it's a big deal. And I know that if you don't get past it, you never will defeat the giant in your life. So I want to pray with you. So if you have a critic that you're trying to get past, would you just raise a hand today? I want to pray for you today. I want to include you in my prayer. If you're facing critics or criticism, it's, it's kept you, it's delayed you, it's distracted you all across this room. It's kept you from the real giant that you need to fight. Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now. God, I thank you for your voice of truth. God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, that there's giant killers in this room that are going to confront and take on these issues that have been major giant issues in their lives for so long. Lord, maybe already in facing their giant and making a decision to defeat this huge thing in their life with your help, they've already encountered discouragement. They've already encountered criticism. They've already encountered negative self-talk. And the people closest to them haven't encouraged them, but have spoken negativity over them and into them. And God, we just come against that in the name of Jesus right now. We serve an eviction notice to the voices of criticism that have taken up residence within our heart and within our mind. You're no longer welcome. The negative self-talk that has kept us from facing giants in the past is gone. But we ask for your voice of truth to speak. Tune our ears to your voice that we would look at you and not at our critics and not even at our giant. That we would hear your voice, not the voice of our critics, not the voice of the enemy, but not just your voice. That in the face of our giants that we would run in boldness that David showed, declaring the truth of your word fully convinced that there's nothing that can keep us from what you have for us and that the giant in front of us is bigger, it's not bigger than the God that's inside of us I thank you for it thank you for who you are I want to invite our prayer team to come and spread out across the front this morning and this is how we're going to conclude if you need to go, that's fine, you're welcome to be dismissed today I'm not going to spend any more time on the critics they've, they've had enough they're done, but I realize that in, in facing your giant, you may need someone to come alongside of you and encourage you and build you up and stand with you. And so that's what we want to do today. It's how we're going to end this service.
you're fighting a giant in your life. I don't know what the giant is. Maybe it's addiction or, or debt or relationship issues. Maybe it's a, a mental issue that you've been facing for a long time. Maybe it's, it's depression. I don't know what it is. But there's something in your life. There's a big giant that's there that needs to come down. We're praying and we're believing that in Jesus' name it's going to come down. In some cases, in every case, prayer is a great place to start. And in some cases, God will supernaturally defeat that giant through prayer. In other cases, there's additional steps that you're going to need to take. You're going to have to fight that giant in different ways. You may need to find someone to stand with you, someone to encourage you. You may need to find professional help to overcome that giant, and you need to do that. Today, we want to pray for you. We want to pray over you. We want to speak God's truth and God's voice into your life. We want to encourage you that you can and defeat your giant. So today, if you're in need of prayer, if you're facing your giant but you haven't found victory yet, I encourage you to come find myself or one of these prayer team members. Jesse's just going to lead us in this worship song. These people aren't here to get into your business and to know the juicy details of your life. They simply want to pray with you and believe God for the victory over the giants that you're facing. I'm going to pray. If you need to leave, you're welcome to leave. Let's just keep this area a reverent area for God to do what he wants to do. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the victory that we're going to face, that we're going to receive in the face of giants. Thank you for your faith building up inside of us to the place where we can, like David, run toward our giant, declaring the truth of your word with the voices of the criticism nowhere to be found, not even on our minds. God, we declare today that giants will fall, that we will receive victory over these issues in Jesus' name. Issues that have been plaguing people for 5 and 10 and 15 years. Depression and discouragement will come off in Jesus' name. The, the issues that have been plaguing of, of addiction and, and uh, of relationship issues, of financial issues, are nothing in comparison to who you are. God, you look down from heaven and you see what seems like a giant to us. And you're laughing that we're so concerned because there's nothing in comparison to who you are. Proclaim victory over giants in Jesus' name. Would you come and find someone to play and pray with, someone to encourage you and speak truth into your life today? This is for my glory. 